The Lord be with you. Friends, would you open up your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 9? We are going to start our reading this morning looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, all the way through verse 15. So would you open up your Bibles and read along with me? If you're comfortable, as we do as our custom at Missio Dei Church, would you please stand for the reading of God's holy word? Hear his word. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor and his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for the food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way, to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, let's pray before we get into this text. Let's pray. Father God, with our Bibles open to us, we come and ask for your help that the Spirit of God would illumine the printed pages to us, that our minds will be alert and open to its truth, and that our lives will be quick to welcome it and obey it and to live in light of it, especially in these trying times. Help us both in our speaking and our listening to do it in such a way that honors and glorifies you, the living God, and for Christ's name, we pray. Amen. My friends, at least once a year, I'm supposed to go to the ophthalmologist. And if you are smart, you are too. And the reason for doing it is because I am finding in my older age that my vision is changing year by year by year by year. When you go there, they do a series of tests. Some of those tests I absolutely hate, the puff of air that goes into your eyes. They, they ask you a, um, a whole bunch of confusion questions about whether A is sharper or B is sharper. And at the end, they, they basically tell me, listen, Paul, here's the reality. Your eyes are slightly worse than the year before. We're going to have to slightly modify your uh, prescription. 
slightly different script for a different year. But the work of an ophthalmologist is not just about going through all these routines for the sake, for routine's sake, but it is ultimately for the good of those who need to have their vision checked. They look deeply into the eye. They scan deeply into the eye. Last time I was with my ophthalmologist, he showed me some pictures of somebody else's eye, and thankfully it wasn't mine. He showed me one where there was some scar tissue at the back of the eyeball. It wasn't anything major, but it could indicate a deeper problem like diabetes. So even though this person's vision was absolutely fine, the minor issue found in the scar tissue could lead to a more serious issue. And if ignored, it could be even worse. And that's pretty much the picture that we are talking about here in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. On the surface, it feels like we are going to be talking about money, and in particularly, particularly, we are going to be talking about what the Bible teaches about how we should be giving. Now, money is a pretty big issue for us, especially in these trying times. There's this feeling that we need to hoard it and hold it tight, right? We're scared. Just look at our supermarkets right now. There's a, a hoarding mentality. So giving is really a very timely and important topic. You may think that we're just talking about money, our money, but it actually goes a whole lot deeper. When Paul wrote this letter, he was concerned that the Corinthians were to do the right thing. He wanted them to complete the collection for the Judean church, but his concern really honestly went a far lot deeper. He wanted to see that their hearts were changed at a deeper level. He didn't just want them to give. He wanted their hearts to change as they gave. Tim Keller explains it this way. He says that we, we have surface idols, idolatrous areas of behavior. They're called surface idols because we can all see them. They're things like money, a spouse, or children, or a career. But these surface idols are really symptoms of a greater, a deeper idol. He explains it this way in his book called Counterfeit Gods. Listen to what he has to say. Some people want lots of money as a way to control their world and life. Such people usually don't spend much money and live very modestly. They keep it all safely saved and invested so they can feel completely secure in their world. Others want money for access to social circles and to make themselves beautiful and, and attractive. These people do spend their money on themselves and in lavish ways. Other people want money because it gives them so much power over others. In every case, money functions as an idol, and yet, because of various deep idols, it results in very different patterns of behavior. Paul doesn't want to just have them change their behavior. I don't want you just to change your behavior. Paul wants to free us from money idols. He, he's giving us a, 
an opportunity to do some deeper heart work. He doesn't want us just to change our behavior, to change. He wants our hearts to ultimately change. So in this past uh, this passage, Paul is giving us two guidelines and he's giving us two benefits of giving. So let's look first at the guidelines and then we're going to ultimately at the end wrap up and look at what are the benefits of giving. First, the guidelines. They aren't all that complicated. It's pretty clear in the text. But here's the first guideline. The first one is give generously. Paul is clear in this passage, isn't he? We need to give generously. In verse 6, he says, the point is this. You kind of have that underlined, circled, highlighted. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. This guy is using, he's speaking to me as an Iowa boy, he is using a farming metaphor. You listen, you can sow tight in a tight-fisted kind of way, but this doesn't make much sense though. When you really think about it, if you sow sparingly, you will not get much of a result. It doesn't make any sense to try to save on seeds when each seed can produce anywhere from 30 to 100 times the amount of the seed that you sow. The alternative that Paul gives is sowing bountifully. Paul wants them to give in a generous, open-handed kind of way that leads to a bountiful harvest. And we're going to return to this theme of sowing and reaping in a minute, but Paul's message is absolutely clear right here. Don't give sparingly. Don't give sparingly. Be someone who gives as generously as possible. Listen, we're, we're all on this spectrum between an emerging kind of giver to an extravagant kind of giver. I, I don't know where you are in this spectrum. I have an idea of where I am on this spectrum. But Paul tells us to keep, just to keep it simple, he says, keep moving to the right. Make your aim to be more of a generous, extravagant kind of giver. But there's a second kind of guideline that he gives when it comes to giving. The first one was to give generously. The second one is to give cheerfully. Each one, according to verse 7, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a what? That's right. He loves a cheerful giver. You, you, you would think that it's, it's enough to give generously, right? Man, I give generously, but that's not it. That's not it. Paul also wants us to give cheerfully as well. Everyone should give the amount that he has decided in his heart. And when you, when you give something, you need to work it out with the Holy Spirit. It should not be a, a public decision. It should not be something that is flaunted. It shouldn't be pressured by the leadership of the church. However much you ultimately decide to give to God's work, two things should not be true about your motive. The first is, you shouldn't be motivated 
by sad feelings. The word reluctantly refers to a sad or a distressed kind of giving in contrast to a a happy giving. Whatever you give should not be motivated by negative, sad feelings. The second thing, you, you shouldn't be motivated by any kind of external pressure on your life. We've been there. We, we know what it's like to have someone put pressure on us to give, kind of, you know, s- tighten the screws and make you feel guilty. And, un- you know, come on, give more, give more. God does not want you to give out of guilt, and God does not want you to give out of pressure. How should we give then? Well, Deuteronomy 15 verse 10 says this. Listen, you should give to him freely. And your heart should not be grudging when you give to him. Because for this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all that you undertake. Or as Paul says, God loves a cheerful giver. Paul teaches us here that there are two ways to fail at giving. If you give generously, but not joyfully, you're you're going to give the wrong way. If you give joyfully, but not generously, you've also failed. God wants us to give at that beautiful, perfect intersection of generosity and joy. Generosity and joy meeting together. He wants your generosity, and he wants your joy. He wants you to be cheerful, and he wants you to be obedient. Randy Alcorn, in his book, The Law of Rewards, says this, I have found that cheerful givers love God and love him more deeply each time that they give. To me, One of the few experiences comparable to the joy of leading someone to Christ is the joy of making wise and generous choices with my money and possessions. Both are extreme acts of worship. Both are exhilarating. Both are what we are made for. Chief end of man, what is it? To enjoy God forever. Glorify Him. Enjoy Him. Have have you discovered this? If you haven't, you're missing out. Giving at the intersection of generosity and cheerfulness is one of the greatest privileges of life, and it comes with some amazing benefits. So, here are the benefits of giving. And I think more of us would give if we do of the many benefits that we could actually enjoy when we find ourselves at that intersection of generosity and cheerfulness. So what are these benefits? There's two main ones that I see Paul laying out for us. Here's the first one. God will give you what you need to continue to be generous. Here's the amazing thing. When you give you benefit. Do you believe it? When you give, do you you believe that you will benefit? Or does it feel like your bank is just going empty? Don Carson said this, God is no one's debtor. 
He bestows all kinds of heart gifts on people who give. God blesses generous givers. Verses 8 to 11 is all about that. The Bible is repeatedly saying that God is uh, that God will richly bless extravagant givers. In particular, it says this, God is able to make all grace abound to you. All grace. God has the ability to lavish all kinds of graces upon you. And God is also able to meet all of our needs. We are personally connected to the God who is able to lavish us with everything that we need. Why? Why would God do this? Well, verses 10 and 11 tell us exactly why. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. So God will give you what you need so that you continue can continue to be generous. And I've noticed this. God gives generous people more so that they can keep on giving more. God gives generous churches more so that they can continue to give more for his kingdom purposes. That's how God works. It's a crazy economy. The more we give, the more God gives to us. So you combine this with what I've said before, that giving is absolutely exhilarating. And you have an amazing way to live now. It's a great cycle. Give more. And then get more so that you can give more and experience even more joy. It's this constant, ongoing cycle of give, receive, give, receive, give, receive. And God will give you what you need to continue to be generous. But there is another benefit. God will use your gifts to bless others. Yes, it is going to definitely enrich your life, but it will, my friends, it will enrich the lives of others. When you give, others benefit. And Paul mentions three specific ways that others will benefit. In verse 12, it will supply the needs of the saints. The poor will be fed. The church churches will be planted. Missionaries will be supported. The gospel will be advanced it'll supply the needs of the saints. A second way is in verse 12 and 13. It will cause others to thank God and give glory to God. When you give, you will be able to answer, to be an answer to someone else's prayer. When when God uses you to meet their needs, they will thank God and glorify God as a result of your gift. You might not see it, You might not go, oh my goodness, did you see what just happened? But God will use your gift to benefit others and for them to glorify him. And verse 14 is a third example of a benefit. It will bring you 
closer to others. They will actually long for and pray for you because of your generosity to them. The benefits of giving are clear, my friends, absolutely clear. Individuals, families, and churches can establish beachheads of strategic lifestyles, disciplined spending, generous and globally-minded giving, by infectious, infectious, sorry, infectious, infectious example, we can claim more territory for Christ than we have ever dreamed possible. Randy Alcorn also wrote this, and he is a great guy when it comes to generosity with a kingdom-mindedness. Listen to this. A, lavish, a revival of lavish giving and strategic living is a revival of grace empowered by God. As the body of Christ gets serious about learning and living out God's instructions concerning money and possessions, Christ's cause will be furthered and his person exalted. And not only that, my friends, you will be changed. God will do a work in your hearts as he has as you learn to give in this kind of extravagant, lavish kind of way. Give cheerfully. Give generously because of what it will do for you and for the church. Now, I find it interesting how Paul ends this whole section on giving. Verse 15 says this, Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. What is Paul referring to? Maybe he's referring to the glorious picture of Christians giving help, giving to help other believers. What an inexpressible gift. Maybe he's praising God for his work of turning us into generous givers. But underlying that gift is a greater gift. The gift of a generous Savior who gave his life for us. Paul doesn't end with our generosity because, my friends, it's ultimately not about us, is it? He ends with the generosity of Jesus. His generosity transforms us so that we will become generous people like our Savior. My friends, I, I want you to experience this. I want me to experience this. I want my family to experience this. I want you to become generous and cheerful givers so that you are blessed and so that you're a blessing ultimately to others. I want you to experience the the exhilaration, the the crazy exhilaration of cheerful generosities. If you have Jesus, my friends, you don't need anything more to get you started. When Hudson Taylor opened his bank account for, uh, his first bank account for the China Inland Mission, The application form 
asked for an asset list. And this is what he wrote down on that application form. 10 pounds and all the promises of God. 10 pounds, 10 bucks, and all of the promises of God. My friends, you and I have everything that we need to be cheerful givers. We have everything that we need to be generous givers. So my friends, let's start. In this time of where the market is unsure, in this time where uh, it feels like everything is falling down on top of us, friends, we, we know that kingdoms rage and, and uh, nations were, are going to totter, that even the markets are going to tumble and that fear is going to be spreading and this, this global pandemic is growing in severity and there's all kinds of scary interruptions and disruptions to our everyday life and it's normal to feel anxious in these times. These are uncertain times, but we have this. I want you to remember this, my friends. We worship a sovereign God who is our refuge and our strength. He is a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way. Psalm 46. We have infinite reasons to have hope. And we have infinite reasons to trust in our generous God, who calls us to be generous, and cheerful givers. My friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.